1: Today's show is brought to you by OnPay, the new standard in payroll. You can pay employees and contractors in minutes, automate your payroll taxes and filings, as well as provide health benefits and HR in all 50 states. For more information, visit buildingthefutureshow.com slash OnPay. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Joel Primus. He's an entrepreneur, explorer, and transformational life coach. Joel, welcome to the show.
0: Thanks for having me, Kevin. Appreciate being here.
1: Yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show. I think what you're doing currently is really innovative and cool, but you've also done some really cool and innovative stuff and you are still doing some really cool, innovative stuff. So maybe before we get into all that, let's get to know you a little bit better and start off with where you grew up.
0: That, that I, I mean, to me, that's interesting. That may be the least interesting part. Um, I I mean no I grew up I grew up in a town called Abbotsford which is about 60-ish minutes depending on traffic outside of Vancouver but when I was a kid that was like forest and you could play roller hockey out in the streets and never have to worry about you know a car and we get lost in the creek behind my house for like every minute after school up until the point we were called for dinner it was just it was more of a small town then, right. than it is now. Now it's kind of stuck somewhere in between Vancouver and Edmonton. You know, it, fair it, enough. Yeah,
1: no, that's fair. And well, and then you're so close to the U.S. border too, right? Or were that
0: was always convenient because we were always making the uh, runs down to Seattle to visit the, the Costco there, Nordstrom's there, um, all these different buyer partnerships that we had with one of my companies which was super conveniently located.
1: That's awesome. So you went to university. What did you take and why?
0: I don't, I, I went to university. I don't, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't finish. Um, I was, so what had happened was I used to be an elite runner, at least in my head, I was elite. Okay. And, uh, I represented Canada when I was still in high school, I was a provincial champion, and nothing about being an elite runner makes you cool in high school, I'll tell you that much, but, um, <laughs> or, or get you a girlfriend for that matter. But I enjoyed it and it taught me a lot. It, it framed a lot of my mindset going into becoming an entrepreneur, which we, we, we can get into later, Kevin, but. Sure. Um, so long story short, I ended up down in North Carolina on a scholarship Oh, and interesting! in my freshman year, right after I qualified for the world cross country championships, I ruptured my Achilles and Ooh. that didn't necessarily end my running career, but it became the beginning of the end of my running career. And so there was this sort of, I'd done, you know, the freshman year down there. And then I, after that, I came home uh, to get medical attention in Canada uh, on my Achilles. And I tried to make a couple of comebacks and I had a few good races, but I just kept getting re-injured and re-injuring uh, my different parts of my body after that first really bad Achilles injury. And so one day I just decided to throw in the towel and I hitchhiked across Canada, went through Edmonton, um, partied <laughs> on White, White Ab was it? I can't, yeah, White Ave. Yeah, like White Ave. Ave yeah. when, I was, when I was there, yeah. just like a total complete shift. And so in between that and some traveling, I was in university, and okay. I was in philosophy, some business, some English, and then a little company I'd started called Naked uh, got picked up and went on Dragon's Den. Okay. And so what point, made you
1: What made you start that, and why? Before I, sorry to cut you off, but <laughs> I, I think that story is relevant because yeah. I think for a lot of people, like. You didn't graduate college, which I, I don't think there's anything wrong with, but like, I think like, I'm trying to prove that like, you can do it kind of no matter what, right? And that story alone is like complete proof of that. And, and Dragon's Den, which you just mentioned, for the American audience, it's basically like the Canadian version of Shark Tank.
0: Absolutely, yeah. I mean, there's, I, I have regret. Um, I feel in my, in my gut or maybe in my heart, like that pang of, I still should have finished. Um, and so I, you know, I totally commend anyone who goes through the motions, but um, not, not through the motions. That's not a fair way of describing a dedicated post- uh, post-secondary education. Um, but, you know, what happened for me was, so I was in, I, I hitchhiked across Canada and then I went over to Thailand and I got really inspired about this idea of how travel can truly change the world and make... world a a more peaceful place connect us you know show us just those very human elements that we all have we all laugh we all cry we all love our families and it's our traditions that might be different but our humanness is the same and so i had this grand idea to when i came back from that trip to film this documentary about traveling the world and so i my brother and i we kind of spent our savings we bought a video camera we worked you know two jobs at a bar and landscaping And we set out to literally travel the world. That's awesome. And we, you know, I think that the the grand total of sponsors I had was one and it was my old company. They gave us 250 bucks. And then my brother told me that, well, actually they owed him 250 bucks on his paycheck. So in fact, it wasn't any, any sponsorship at all. Not that it made any difference. So we, we were, we went all the way from Mexico down to Santiago, Chile. Wow. And when I was in Peru, I needed some underwear. We've been, you know, we've been at it for a couple months and I had all this crap underwear that just was destroyed by the time I got there. And so we were in this night market and I picked up this pair of Pima cotton underwear. And for those who don't know Pima cotton, it's, it's like a premium, soft, high grade cotton. And I was like, oh my goodness, like this feels so much better than anything my mom ever bought me. But then I, hiked up Machu Pichu wearing the product. I'm like, yeah, once you start sweating in it though, it kind of doesn't feel as good. And so all of a sudden it was like, ding in my mind, how do I take that performance fabrics and 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 qualities and properties that I was used to in my running clothes and marry them back to this very soft, luxurious feel and create something that was so comfortable you couldn't even feel it. And so what ended up happening was that eventually our video camera fell off a cliff and my (laughs) brother didn't really want to do, it was in the Atacama desert and we were morons. We like, there's like these kind of really beautiful independent rock structures. Okay. And we set up the camera on one and like we tied it down and weighed it down and then we went and we climbed up another one. And then this gust of wind, we just watched it happen just like Knocked the camera off the rocks, <laughs> oh, and sucks. it just fell to its demise. And we're like, "Oh my gosh!" So, to make that story, uh, you know, long story short, we the, nothing really happened with that film until many, many, many years later. And instead, I kind of came home just thinking about this underwear line, and I decided to start trying to make an underwear business, having zero idea how to do so. So that kind of, that's kind of how we ended up on Dragon's Den was then somebody heard, oh, Naked, that's the name of this under, it was the name of the company. That'd make a great <laughs> Dragon's Den pitch. So <laughs> we went on there with like literally not a single sale, no stores. I mean, we were just grasping at straws, but we, we kind of had this inflection point where because we had accepted the appearance on the show, we had like two months to prep the entire business as best we could from like nothing to wow. presentable. And, you know, the byproduct of that was I of that was I was called delusional and I deserved it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fair enough. That was Brett. Brett, uh, Brett said, you're delusional. You have no idea. At the time, I, my ego kicked in and was like, I certainly do, but... Looking back, I certainly did not have any idea what I was doing.
1: No, that's that's interesting because I remember seeing the episode actually um, with you guys pitching. Like I, I remember it. It's like I when when we got connected, I went and like I just like I remember it, and I remember it. it's just funny. I'll because, never yeah. I'll
0: never live taking. I'll never live it down taking off my clothes on national TV. It is. <laughs> It is not all my clothes, obviously. <laughs> but it wasn't the yes. full monty; it was just yes. down to the boxer shorts.
1: <laughs> sure. So, but walk us through uh, Naked's c- like, c- company because you you it became really successful. Uh it could be, it became
0: pretty successful. I think that uh, it was it was one of those companies that had. The, well, the age-old challenge of it, it was, it was tripping over itself because it was growing really fast and it had the, uh, the dual aspect of being a public company way, way, way too early. Uh, and that essentially meant that two entrepreneurs, myself and my partner, Alex McCulley, and our very small team of incredible people, were running two businesses of which we didn't know how to run and were learning on the fly, not just one. And... Uh, <laughs> And so it, it, it was always kind of challenged in that regard. And the, the success, obviously, of a startup is your ability to get past that point. And we did. You know, what, what ended up happening was, so the Dragons then happened. We didn't get a deal done. But as things tend to go in the world, somebody called us and was like, hey, you know, I saw your show and I'd like to get involved. And And that was thanks to Arlene Dickinson's comment of a brand like naked comes around once in a lifetime or something to that effect. And that like little zinger erased a lot of the bad that people had heard, you know, being called delusional, et cetera. And, and so it was really kind of neat to see that connectivity. And, and so we ended up going to Calgary, raised a little bit of money. And then next thing you know, I'm, you know, I'm knocking on the door of stores like Holt Renfrew, which for your American guests is like, the Neiman Marcus of Canada and the Hudson's Bay company. And next thing you know, we got a We have an order and this is a a classic entrepreneur story of, (laughs) of epic failure proportions, Kevin. So Holt Renford gives us an order for a thousand pairs, which is is a huge deal. We're like over the moon. And I'm like, okay, so, you know, what do we have to sell through each week? What do we need to kind of forecast for? And they're like, well, our top selling brands sell like, I don't remember what it was, like a thousand pairs nationwide a week or something like that. But you're talking top selling brands. Right. And so immediately in my head, I'm like, well, Naked will be a top selling brand. So I tell my business partner, we need to order 20,000 pairs of underwear. And this is all in like the turnaround of like, two months or something like that. Like, it's just a ridiculous turnaround, but fortunately we were making the product in Canada. So we had kind of control over that part of the process. Nice. And so yeah, we, my business partner's like, are you sure, man? Like why don't we just start with 4,000, <laughs> you know, and maybe we'll buy some extra fabric. I'm like, Nope, Nope, Nope. You know, brash young 22 year old. And, um, so we do it and, you know, sales go okay, you know, selling some, like nowhere near. So I got like 19,000 pairs of underwear <laughs> sitting, in my, sitting in my garage, well, originally garage, then warehouse. And then, and then somebody calls up and they're like, I know why you call this company naked. I'm like, why? It's like, because the underwear doesn't stay up. I'm like, what, what do you mean? It's like, they literally fall down. am wow. like, are you serious? And, you know, then we do some investigation and like, we did, we'd done product testing with our friends and every one of them probably lied on their product feedback. that The underwear fit great. And on me, it fit fine, but it turned out that like our size large and extra large customers, like the underwear just shot off them because of the way it was designed. And so now... Not only do I have 20,000, sorry, 19,000 pairs of underwear sitting in my warehouse, it's more or less entirely defective. And I had spent all the investors' money, or most of it, on placing that order. And so, uh, you know, (laughs) we were like, it's painful to recount. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, man. (laughs) I mean, I guess I volunteered the story, but you were we were so far behind the eight ball because of that and what I ended up doing was like we ended up fixing the product in this crazy whirlwind thing and then I literally drove across the country went to every store that we were in all the whole Renfrews and showed them like that we'd fixed it and and every customer we could possibly track down we called them and sent them a new pair wow Um, and, you know, small potatoes. This isn't Calvin Klein at the time.
1: <laughs> you know? Sure, but still. And but I, I think what I'm trying to get at here though is like you could have just easily packed it up and said, like, forget it, we're done, right? But like you basically turned this thing around after something that I think a lot of people would have just given up.
0: I think, yeah, I mean the it was it was an easy point to say we're done. And it was and it was an easy point for call it the universe or just whatever the business world in general to say, you're done. (laughs) You you messed up, you're done. But as fate would have it, because we took ownership of our mistake, every single person gave us a second chance. That's awesome. um, Foremost. And, and so this kind of, it's it leads into why we ended up going public. Our investors at that point were like, Whoa, these guys don't know what they're doing. So <laughs> we didn't get any more capital from them. We'd spent all the capital on the mistake and fixing it. And so we ended up, I mean, we're, I'm from Abbotsford, small town Abbotsford. I have no idea how to raise money, right? So we are kind of finding different people in New York, making phone calls, pitching, figuring out different ways to pitch people. And then kind of one thing leads to another and this guy's like, We'll, well, well, we like Naked. We'll, we think we could do something like that. We'll take you public. I'm like, great. I have no idea what that means. Um,
1: <laughs> <laughs> but it sounds That's great. That's
0: <laughs> uh, I mean, like, we, I didn't grow up in a house where my parents traded stocks or had investment sure. portfolios. Um, it was, they, you know, they may had RRSPs. Like, they, they, that was like the extent of my family's financial acumen at the time.
1: (laughs) But I think that's like most people though, to be fair.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you, you even meet people with money in certain industries and he said, we're going to take public and that might be like, what does that really mean? Right. Totally. Um, And so fortunately my business partner was a CPA and um, he was under, uh, he was up for the task of, figuring out how to take a company public and you know operate in a public company and as a result of that experience he's built an incredibly successful accounting practice um, over the long term here but we we went public on the OTC which is like a it's, it's a bulletin board exchange that's kind of lower on the totem pole as far as things <laughs> go if you put like Nasdaq um and you know in the New York at the top and then maybe the TSX and, you know, whatever else international. And then down there is the OTC. Um, so we listed on there and it took, you know, it took a year and it it took way more money than we thought, but it put us in this whole new trajectory where, you know, now we were raising money in the United States and I was spending a lot more time down there. Contacts were building and, and we were kind of doubling up on everything. Right. So I'd go to a city, And in that city, like call it Portland, I'd have like, I'd meet a room full of investors in the morning for breakfast, present, you know, why they should invest in the stock. And then in the afternoon, I'd go and train the Nordstrom's team. And then if we sold a menswear store, I'd go train that. And then I'd hop on a plane and do it in another city. And so it became this totally different life than we expected. Um, Okay. But, you know, it had its pros and its cons. The business was growing and our capital markets exposure was growing. But at the same time, you know, my attention was so diluted from the core of the brand that, and this is possibly a mistake that, you know, many entrepreneurs make. I I like to forewarn entrepreneurs is like when you lose your ethos, when you lose your why um, your brand can deteriorate, your customers will know that. And so we were just signing on a big department store and like a huge one. And they had all these re- demands, I guess you would, expectations. Maybe that's fair to say of what we should do to our packaging and our pricing and our this and that. And so as a result of signing that customer, you know, our life was changed in two, two ways, one positive, one negative. The positive was we had this big department store tra- chain that added tons of credibility to us. And at the time, you know, value to our stakeholders in the markets. And But on the downside is we we sort of abandoned the original vision of the company to cater to this, this beast, you know, things started to get in China and this and that, and packaging changed. And, and so we lost some of our competitive advantage. Um, and I'm just going here, Kevin. I don't know if you. Want no, to this is
1: good, it. man. This is really good. Keep going. Um,
0: so, you know, again, it was like, damn, like, because you know, like, to the entrepreneurs who listen to your show, you know more than anyone what you're trying to do, what you're trying to say, what you hope that means to the people you're saying it to, and why they're buying the products. And as you go through this, the growth of your startup, all of a sudden the room gets really noisy and there's investors telling you what types of financings you should do and what types of structures you should finance your company through. And then there's this store who has this opinion and that store who has that opinion. And then there's the shareholders who have their opinions and it becomes very noisy and harder, especially if it's your first rodeo, to be disciplined and patient and take the feedback, absolutely, don't, don't have blinders, but to execute against the vision and only pivot when necessary. You know, like, for instance, if you, if you started a business during COVID, and, yeah. and you, had to, you had to adjust due to the macro conditions in, in the world. And so, but we were, like, to the point I'm making is we were pivoting left, right, and center from financing structures to, uh, to packaging. Cause I was just green and naive and eager and willing. And so I just took everybody's advice and like literally implemented all of it. And it created this, this mess of a, of a cap table, capitalization table, like how, you know, what, what our financial financing history looks like
1: sure.
0: and, and brand. And it got to the point where I'm like, I don't think I am qualified to run this company, despite any of the successes we've had. And I think shareholders deserve somebody better. And so that led to um, me in my travels in New York, I got introduced to this incredible woman who her name was Carol Hawkman and she had had a very successful uh, lingerie sleepwear business. She'd exited that business and was entertaining new positions. And so I, I offered her the job um, she kind of was like, Oh, do I want this? <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, but she, uh, she ended up taking it after, you know, a, a series of conversations and time and, and, you know, going through those motions. And I ended up moving to New York. Um, and then we spent a couple of years there. And then we got a knock on the door from a lingerie company called Bendon out of out of Australia. They had seen me present at a conference and, and asked, you know, are you potentially looking to be merged with or acquired? And we saw this, this company that had like 4,500 stores around the world, their own stores in Australia. They had Heidi Klum as a a spokesperson and we're like, wow, like if we merge with these people, it's going to be way better. And the reality is, because I'm I'm not here to sell a, like, I don't want to sell just the positives. The reality was we ended up doing that deal. And unfortunately the, the value, you know, sort of in the weeks and months and years to follow greatly declined in the company. And some of our shareholders made out okay. Some didn't. And it was a really hard experience to, Exit, and then watch your baby just implode, um, and the people who believed in you to watch them suffer. You know, they're all professionals, and sure, wow. they have losses. But for me, it was really personal, and that and that sort of spawned a very tough four years for me of anxiety, depression, assessment, like, um, and, it, and really it started even before the demise because as any entrepreneur on the show who's, who's been through this might know, like when we sold the first time and moved to New York and I gave up the CEO ship, and you have to go through those motions of, okay, what is my value? What is my role? How do I contribute? Um, in this totally new environment. And it was a bit, it was a bit challenging. It was a bit, to say the least. And I struggled, that was kind of like the opening of like the who am I, esoteric (laughs) (laughs) self discovery. And I'm sure if I'd had had more dough at the time, I would have just zipped off and slept in a cave in India for. A year, but I had kids and <laughs> I had all these problems to deal with. So, so that's a that's sort of a all all over version of the naked story that, um, you know, excludes many
1: details. But <laughs> but happy to dive into anything else if you have questions. No, I I think that's a good overview of of it because I just wanted really you to tell that so people understand that like being an entrepreneur that even gets on the uh, stock market and sells to a company, like it, it can go great. It can go terrible. It can go somewhere in the middle. Like it's all over the place. And even when you think you have, you're done and you're over, you can still keep going. Right. And I think you just prove that all those things to kind of be true. Right. A hundred percent. it's,
0: and it is, you know, what is it? Nine out of 10 businesses or something like that are going to fail. And so if you, if you set yourself up and you say, this is everything, this is, if this fails, I'm done, I'm over, then you're, you're just, you're setting yourself up for unnecessary heartbreak because life is not like that. You know, I like to, I always like to think about the hero's journey, you know, Joseph Campbell. Jordan Peterson talks a lot about the hero's journey as well. And he t- you know, these, these iterations of our journey as human beings through our life. And so if we look at, take any kind of classic movie um, and you just follow that character's journey, right? They're, they're this brash, um, young, confident hero who kind of thinks that there's nothing they can't do. And so they go out and they they slay the, you know, air quotes, dragons, and maybe they get a little bit lucky. And then some things happen and their, their fate is turned. And in order to recover themselves, I guess, if you will, through this, this all, they have to face these inner demons, these inner battles, right? Your, your ego, your your ego being, you know, in this, defining it in this sense, is like all the things that you've accepted to be true about yourself. And as a result of that, the stories you tell yourself every single day in your mind. So this has to be a certain way because that has to be a certain way because, and in reality, none of that's true. Those stories came from somewhere and we latched onto them, whether it was like, a TV ad that we watched that told us we had to be thin, or something that you know told us we had to be rich, and without those things, we're nothing. That's just sort of a small example. These stories literally affect every interaction um, we can affect every interaction we have, and more importantly, affect the inner world that we live in day in and day out in our heads, right? Totally. And so, in going back to the hero's journey, is like they have to slay. You have to start slaying these own demons inside yourself. Um, in in the movie, it's like, you know, there's actual demons you're slaying, and then, and then it's a metaphor for your own, right? And then you emerge from this journey as a much wiser hero where your motivations are not for the self. Your motivations are more for a greater cause, whether that's your kids, the well-being of your employees, um uh, some sort of impact around the world and you you've, you realize that the bravery that you you have to bring every day to being a human being not just being an entrepreneur is is about realizing the morta- <laughs> your mortality <laughs> sorry we're going deep here no, and good. So, so the the um what i mean by that is like in life your vulnerability and your mortality and your humanness and really your lack of control of everything and sort of accepting that. But in business, it's the same thing. It's accepting that this business, I don't control its fate. I will do everything I can to make it successful, but I don't control its fate. And then, and once, once you've been through that process, you realize that like life is really just like one hero's journey after the next. Totally. After the next, and you're never done, right? But the thing that's changed is the mindset that you've brought into each of these things. That's what's changed and how you feel about each of these things as you go about them, right? So the stakes of me being a runner, snapping my Achilles, you know, freaking out, deciding to hitchhike across the country because I was so ashamed of not being a runner and so confused as to who I was, and then with, you know, with regards to naked, again, it's like naked is everything, if I don't have it, I'm nothing. And here I got a wife and two kids and friends and family, all these things that are like, I have made very secondary in my life. And I then realize that I have to bring these things back into my life and understand that, that everything can iterate and everything can lead into something else. Better, maybe you know, similar, you know, but, um, but that's for, you know, that's for for you to decide based on your opinion of it. But but, so that's, that's kind of, you know, very long way of saying that, like being an entrepreneur, this is not my quote is, but, you know, is a way of life. It's, um, it's, it's not, it's not just one thing. It's not just starting a business. It's, it's literally how you have decided to live your life and that includes your business and that includes your own mental health and that includes uh the those who are dependent upon you those who you love it includes all these different things it includes continuous learning and so it's a i look at it very holistically now whereas before i look at i looked at it very myopically is that the word yeah you know sure um and so that's been the change of, of things for me. And that's a constant battle. I am sure. not on the other side of that ego battle by any means. Sure.
1: And maybe so. you never get on the other side, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. I don't mean just you. I mean just like people in general. You're 100% right. I mean, that's, that's our experience
0: as human beings, as entrepreneurs, is to, is to live this duality that we all suffer right this or suffer or have right that The good times the bad times the the dark the shadow the the light, you know, we're, we're always battling these things and We just have to learn how to Do that better how to separate from it more how to understand where it's coming from why it's coming from there so that we can you know, deal with it better. And, you know, our egos get in the way of so many things as we, and if we don't deal with those things, you know, they, in the most macro sense, they can turn into war, right? With another country. And in in a micro sense, it can turn into sending an email that you never should have sent um, because you're, you, you know, you weren't, you just were responding out of, you know, your ego, you're responding out of a wound and you're, you know, you're just lashing out. And so, so many, so many of our struggles, um, so many things that I had struggled through personally, professionally, you know, they all could have been avoided. If I just learned to shift my mindset and that's, you know, that's where I'm at today, I guess, is, I want to see from what I have seen with my friends that are entrepreneurs with the people I know is there is not an equal growing of as somebody achieves success, they simultaneously achieve happiness.
1: Yeah, that's fair.
0: And so I'm looking, if, if there's anything that I can contribute to, um, as a mentor, as a coach, as a friend, it's how can I help people cultivate both simultaneously uh, because I saw how just going after one nearly destroyed my life. So, so that's, you know, that's where my head's at these days. Who knows? It might change.
1: (laughs) No, I, I think that's good though. Right. Because I think in some cases the more successful you are, the more you have to lose and your happiness is almost like worse off in, in some cases. Right. And it's like, which is like a really hard thing to swallow sometimes. You're like, well, I'm successful. Everybody thinks I'm successful, but like, I feel like I'm not successful at all. And like, I haven't achieved this success that everybody thinks I have, right? (laughs) And so like, then you feel like a fraud and it's like, you can go down. So like, I appreciate that you called that out and it's awesome that you're helping people manage that Uh, through through your life coaching and I want to get more into your life coaching in a second but through all the highs and lows that you went through in the clothing industry you decided to do another travel (laughs) clothing brand so do you want to talk about that quick as well before we get into the life coaching stuff
0: certainly um (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think it's good, man. Like it's, it's what it takes. Right. And and the reality of it is like some days it's the best and worst decision you've ever done. And I'll give you one of those two answers, depending on the 15 minute interval that I'm in currently. Right. And so people need to understand this and understand that other people are going through the exact same highs and lows that they're going through. And you, you were successful in a lot of people's eyes with naked and in your eyes, you may or may not agree with that, but it doesn't really matter, right? Like you, you're working through the good and bad of that and you're, you're back at it doing it again. 100%, and that's
0: what, you know, we all have to do. Whether, whether you're an entrepreneur, you know, which, you know, we're geared towards here, or that's just, you know, with your kids yep. and you, got, you have a bad day parenting or with your boss, and, you know, or your, your colleagues and you have a bad day at the office, even if it's not your company. I mean, we all have that, that responsibility and accountability to ourselves to, to do exactly what we're talking about. You just bring our best self despite the challenges that we're, we're doing. And also, in that same vein, have enough reverence and grace for ourselves that we accept when we don't do it well which will be the majority of the time for most of us. These podcasts are like where you and I or you and all your your guests get to kind of like shower their lessons learned and it makes it sound so easy and, and quotable or whatever. But in reality, every single one of us is battling, is doing battle with their own demons, with the details of their business, with the highs and lows of their business, with their personal lives every single day. And, and, and it, to me, it's like laddered up to the only thing you can do is have grace and reverence to both yourself because beating yourself up in many respects doesn't make you better. Holding yourself accountable to higher expectations and working to improve, absolutely. But beating yourself up serves you not. Also, and this is a digression, but beating up your employees, beating up somebody on Instagram or Twitter or wherever, serves nobody.
1: Yeah, totally. it doesn't
0: serve them, right? And so, but it's so it's so hard to kind of you know always take that uh, that uh, into into your daily life, right? And I guess to to segue back to why i went back into the apparel business um we so we started a company called kosan travel it was named after kosan road which is or Khao sen road which is in bangkok thailand and it's like the center of the backpacking universe and so we wanted to pay homage to that street because that's where a lot of people's journeys begin and sometimes even end and and it just, it's just is like a it's like a melting pot and so that's kind of the vibe. And I wanted, I wanted to start a business that I could see myself doing for 40 years. Um, and any business that, any business that had travel attached to it was a business I could see, see myself doing for a long time. Uh, I wanted a very cause based brand. Kosan, um, aligned itself with Amnesty International and has a mission to support human rights around the world. And, And so we give, you know, percentage of all our sales to, um, to those causes, uh, through amnesty. And, um, but I was very, very hesitant, like incredibly hesitant to do it again. After what I'd just been through and the thing that I regret more than anything is that my, my body and my mind and my spirit kept telling me when naked was done. And I was like, literally just battered and beaten on the ground. Um, you know, from hate from shareholders and and, uh, just did my own hate and frustrations. and, And so I was like, I need a rest. I need a rest. And I didn't give myself that rest. And because what happened was we're like, well, we'll just like, we'll test. We'll test a product on Kickstarter and see how we do. And so we delved into this. We did one Kickstarter and you know, we did like a hundred grand and it was okay. I think think at the time, like hundred grand puts you in like the top 1% of all Kickstarters. So I was like, okay. And then we did another one, but we took a very uh, research data-driven design process, which is the first time I'd ever done this in a business where instead of saying, hey, Joel likes this product or so-and-so designer likes this product. And yes, you've done some R and D and you've done, um you know, you've, you've done some competitive analysis and you decide that this product you're going to make, you're going to make it because of those things, but mostly because you want to make it right. Like you like it. So instead of that, we went through a really interesting process where we used SEO results to determine what the most searched travel items were for clothing. And travel dress came up number one. So what that told us was that people did not have a defined answer to the question of where do I go and get a travel dress? Extrapolated out, we, it also told us that there was no defined answer to where people went to get any of their travel clothing. It was kind of like, I'll go to Amazon, I'll go to Mountain Equipment Co-op in our Canadian sense or REI in the American sense. You know, it was fragmented. And so that there was a consolidation opportunity to that story. Um, and so that was, you know, we're testing this theory. And so we take it, we take the, okay, dress, dress shows up number one. So let's make a dress, but instead of just making a dress, what we do is like, we sketch out, let's say six, um, refined these six. They're based on comps, um, data, et cetera. And then we go to our customers and we say, which of these six dresses are you most likely to buy? Interesting. And we take the top two. And then we, we create a list of features and we say, which of these features are most important to you? And addition, additional to that, how much would you be willing to pay for these features, pay up for these features in this product? And so we give prices, we give a price range, And then we take that data back and we go develop, you know, we've led them to this place, but they've helped us, you know, be the funnel to, to get to the end execution um, or the end design, I should say. And then the last thing we do on that is colors and we say, okay, here's, we, we decide the colors, we decide the color trends, but then we go to our customers and say of these six colors of these eight colors, which two are you most likely to take? And, we will then execute on those colors. So what we, what we do through that process is we minimize as much, as much risk as we possibly can because our customers have not only helped us make those decisions as, you know, as much as you can trust that data, but they've also become emotionally invested in the process through that. Right. Um, and so to, to say, okay, what did that net out to be? Well, that netted out to be a, mil, a near million dollar Kickstarter. So wow. in 30 days of sales, we sold almost a million dollars worth of one dress after kind of going through that process. Wow, congrats man, that's huge. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was like, it's like you're addicted. It's like, it's like gambling or something. You go every day and you watch your like Kickstarter yeah. just go up then up and up and up. And so we're like, oh, there's product market fit. And so we just, <laughs> That's awesome. we, we dove into it and there was never that reprieve. And there probably wasn't enough of the process of reflection, you know, post post-naked pre cosan, and, and just regenerating. Right. Cause like to, to borrow a running example, and some people are really good at this. I'm terrible at it. Um, when you're running, like, or when you're doing anything fitness related, the gains are made in the rest, not in the workouts. Yeah, The workouts break you down. They break you down to the point of which you almost burn out. When you're, when you're working a muscle, that muscle tears and has to heal in order to grow back stronger. And so the same is, is true of life. Like in, in, in running, we would have, you know, you'd, it was periodization, right? You would have cycles of intense training followed by periods of rest and recovery so that the effects of that training could take, um, could take hold and maximize your performance. And, And by the time you're in, you know, air quotes, racing season, you're barely training hard at all because your body's already done all the work. And so you're peaking in that sense, right? And then after the peak, your body comes down the other side, and you take time off to recover and recharge. And then the next year, theoretically, you know, if you're injury-free, you should improve from upon that point. But in business and in life, we don't do that. I mean, you have to be a high-level CEO, you know, in a very big company to get proper vacation time. Yeah. You know, as an entrepreneur, you could work 10 years without proper rest. And... I'm not saying there's anything wrong with working really, really, really hard consistently, um, but we don't take those rests. And those rests in the entrepreneurial space, I think they bring about clarity and decision-making. I think it, they bring about creativity. Um, they allow you to you know, have better moods um, as you deal with your staff or you deal with situations. And, but it's, it's so hard to carve out that time, and I, you know, I never did. I didn't take a vacation for 10 years. And I think for me personally, it affected my performance and, sure. you know, trying to learn it. I'm not sure if
1: you felt the same way again. hundred percent, hundred percent. I couldn't agree with you more. <laughs> um, so, so how, but like, how does that transfer into, obviously you're still doing Hosan travel, But now you're also doing a life coaching uh, as well. And you have an online course. Do you want to talk about the life coaching and what the course is about? Certainly.
0: Um, So uh, let's be honest, like COVID-19 shook a lot of people in ways. And one of the things that I realized was that, you know, I had a travel clothing company. And literally the world of travel shut down. Yep. And there was no predictability as to when it would return. Even today, um, you know, there's indicators that are positive. But to what degree, when? I mean, obviously, we're, com- we're extremely confident it will return to 2019 levels. Um, but it might take two years. People sure. love to travel. So the first lens I looked at things through was wanting to help wanting to give back to entrepreneurs with all the lessons I'd learned. Um, and the second piece was I had, I had a book coming out and I wanted to be able to have coaching as part of, and courses as part of that sort of package, if you will, um, that allowed people to dive deeper into some of the lessons of the book, whether that was through uh, with me personally or through some sort of online course. And the third reason um, was, again, protecting my downside. I've always, I've always looked at or diversifying, maybe diversifying my, uh, my interests, where I've always looked at entrepreneurs should be single-mindedly focused on their business and anything else outside of their most important um, uh, demands, be that family or, or other things that you're involved in. Uh, you know, you just focus on your business. And I still believe that to to a very real extent, but now I'm looking at it as, okay, if we end up in a post-pandemic world uh, or world, the new normal, if you will, where there's there's more pandemics or there's more sort of quick to shut down things if they think that there's a disease, how do i have other avenues of which i am you know contributing and or bringing in income to you know myself my family and so that's just that's just being totally honest you know obviously that's a driver for it and so i just i spent the summer saving cosan from you know with my partners from all the pain and agony of covid which meant making a lot of masks and you know, applying to a lot of different bids and bringing in PPE and, and doing different things like that alongside trying to sell the, you know, the existing products that we had while sort of in the wee hours of the night developing this course and, and this sort of new side platform for me, which has only been accelerated. I always wanted to, to have this as a part of my life. COVID just kind of accelerated it, if you will.
1: No, that that makes a lot of sense. I, like and I love the the brutal honesty, but I also think you have the experience of the highs and lows to actually help people through what they're going through, right? So I think it's a, a very much a natural progression and in some ways like the fact that you kind of had to do it because you've always wanted to do it and you got a push to do it, sure it's from it's from a negative thing, but you turned like something that's negative into a positive right to help other people again is is pretty cool right and and I think a lot of people it's it's a struggle to do that right to turn something that's so negative into a positive especially when you're helping other people do it
0: it is hard it is hard and that and and that kind of you know goes back to the beginning of our conversation it's not it's not kudos to me this is like there's lots of Incredible people who've done this for centuries upon centuries and and taken a really I guess you could say sort of stoic mindset to things and 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 trying to find those positives as um, in any situation and or just trusting that that negative will lead to a positive um, down the line it's Steve Jobs talks about it and what Stanford or whichever whatever one of his commencement speeches he talks about you know the dots connecting and that's really true it's like this is just a moment this moment will pass and it will lead to different things that are potentially better or just different but it will still lead to other things life will continue to go on you know to to put that into perspective and, and once this is kind of leads into the course. And when I have a worksheet in, in my online course where I like tell you to look back and look at all these negative, negative moments that turned into positive things to see how these, these dots connect so that you can have trust in having a transformation and taking steps into unknown territory for yourself. And that is, you know, one, one simple story is that when I, one of my first businesses I started was actually a magazine in Abbotsford, I thought. We needed a cool millennial-focused magazine. I I, 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 you know, we wrote some articles, we got some advertisers, and I kind of got stuck halfway. And then I went to the local newspaper to try and sell the magazine to them as like a subcat business for them, and they said, right. "No, you, you come work for us. We'll give you a paycheck." That's so why I said, "Okay, that that's probably better." <laughs> so, <laughs> magazine went bye-bye. I ended up getting a job at the news, but I'm a terrible employee. And it was like very soon into that experience that I was already on the fritz, and then eventually my boss, a guy named Ben Coles, um, he said, "Listen, I, you're just you're an entrepreneur. You don't you don't belong in a corporate structure like this." And so he let me go. And then like literally the very next day because he'd heard about Naked, he'd seen the Dragon's Den episode. He's like, are you looking for investors? So not only did Ben, the day after, you know, a couple days after he fired me, become my largest shareholder in my first round, but it just so happens, wow. and I didn't know this at the time, that he's a fantastic and published writer, and he became the co-author of my book that's launching. Very and cool. So our, our life is, is just filled with these things. But totally. we don't take a moment. And so the idea of the course is that it kind of takes you through three parts over three weeks where I want people to dig into you know, what's really true for them in this moment in time. Are they, you know, I have like an integrity check-in. Are you being true to yourself? Okay, you are. What's blocking you from that thing? Like what are your triggers? What are the invisible tethers that keep you bound to this whether that's bad behavior bad habits bad career choices um stuck in a job you don't want to do what are all those things and then we go from there and we we, we put together daily habits journaling practices different sort of lifestyle design exercises that hopefully <laughs> help you shift they worked for me so hopefully they work for others shift out of those and then the last piece is just going into more of the the letting go and the visualizing forward, where you know you we always have to let go, right, Kevin? Like you have to yep. create space for newness to come in. You have to let go of things that are holding you back, and at the and simultaneously, you have to invite the things you want into your life. So that's sort of like it's a 21-day course that encapsulates three, two, three years journey for me, personally and professionally into series of worksheets. And I just, you know, it's self-guided, but I really wanted people to have those tools to go after it themselves. If they don't feel like they're in a place that they want to be, you know, that's, that's a decision for them to make.
1: No, I I think that's awesome, man. But sadly we got to close the show. So how about we close with mentioning where people can get more information about all the stuff we talked about, the clothing company, your new, your upcoming book, the course and your life coaching.
0: I appreciate it, man. Like that's, it's been, uh, I feel like I talked a lot. <laughs> so Good. Nobody wants to hear the host talk. <laughs> um, but yeah, you can find everything on joelprimus.com right now. Uh, the book's just, just being finalized before it can be pre-ordered. So right now the course, anything about sort of naked or cosan, you can link to it anywhere from joelprimus.com that's the best place to find me or instagram at joel,
1: joel.primus perfect joel i really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to be on the show and i look forward to keeping in touch with you and have a good rest of your day man you too buddy thank you thank you okay bye bye
0: thanks for listening please visit our website at BuildingTheFutureShow.com to join the free community sign up for our newsletter or to sponsor the show The music is done by Electric Mantra. You can check him out at electricmantra.com and keep building the future.